Am I on? Am I on? Yes? You hear me? Yes. Hi, it's great to be with you. Um, as Steve said, I'm Phil, and it's my pleasure to be part of the leadership team here at Jubilee. And um, as, you, as you can tell, today is all about family. Today is about we are family. And um, one of the remarkable things about this family, the, the church, is that we exist for those that are not yet family. We're, our, our whole existence is about um, those that don't actually belong to the family at the moment. That's our focus. And um, isn't that incredible? And around the world today, it's estimated that around 170,000 people will decide to become part of this family. Just think about that for a moment. 170,000 people around the world will, will be added to our family somewhere in the world today. Incredible. Isn't it amazing that we're part of this amazing, um, rich family? And since I um, became part of God's family in, in 1993, um, it's, just been, it's been just such a blessing in my life in so many ways. And it's a blessing to be part of Jubilee. And I want to talk to us today. We do, we're in a series, um, This Is Us. And today we're looking at um, the subject of we are a united family. And um, in a world where um, there's not a lot of unity, um, the church has um, a mission to be and has a mandate to be um, this united family. We love and accept people from, from everywhere. If you've got a pulse, you're good enough for us. That's all you need is a pulse, you know? And um, I just want to unpack a little bit that we, we stand as the church against um, the culture of this world, a culture of division and isolation. Um, we stand against that. We're called to be by Jesus in the world, but not of the world. John 15 tells us that if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. And as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world that is why the world hates you. We're called to be different. We're counter culture. We're not part of the same ideologies and thinking as the world. We are the church of God. We are different. And we welcome all people in. The world that thrives on division, um, we, we thrive on unity and being united to Christ. We have to um, be intentional about diversity. Intentional means that you actually decide to do something and, and see it through. We have, we have to be intentional at every single element of our, um, of our walk with Christ to be intentional about diversity. We have to stand against monoculturalism, gender discrimination, nationalism, tribalism, classism, economic discrimination, colonialism, and nepotism. We have to stand against all of those things that would divide people and keep people apart. And we have to be a family that welcomes everybody in and accepts them. We are called to love each other as um, Jesus loved us, preferring each other's needs. Ephesians 2 tells us, therefore, remember that formerly 
you are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at a time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. And Peter, I think more eloquently in 1 Peter 2.10 writes, once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Just think about that for a moment. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. You know, I'm a, I'm a passionate um, Hull person, right? I'm, I'm passionate about the city of Hull. I love the city of Hull. And, I, you know, and wherever I go, right, even though the bad press that this city gets, I'm very, very proud to stand up and say, I'm from Hull, yeah? I love it, right? But do you know something? Much, much greater than all of that is my, is my citizenship of heaven. Much greater than all of that, than, than anything else, in fact, is my citizenship of heaven. And that's your calling too. That's where you should be. And if you're not, you need to think about that. Because that's where you should be. Your, your, your adoption into the family of God is your greatest um, accolade. I don't know. I'm lost for words. Accolade. A greatest allegiance, thank you. Okay, that's brilliant. A greatest allegiance. And it's true, isn't it? You know, we are, we are called as a family under Christ. Romans 8 tells us the spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves, otherwise you would live in fear again. Instead, the Holy Spirit you received made you God's adopted child. By the Spirit's power, we call God Abba, which means Father which is actually more intimate than father. It's actually daddy. We call God daddy. We can call, you know, my 24-year-old daughter still calls me daddy. I think she does it to wire me up, actually, but she still calls me daddy. And, um, you know, we can, we can call God daddy because we have that relationship and we're adopted. And as an, as an adopted child myself, I know what being adopted means. It means that you are actually part of the family in, in, every sing, in every single way. Legally, you know, and, and everything else that comes with adoption. You are, you are, you are that family. And you take on that, that family identity of, often and, and, you know, are welcomed in and treat as an equal. And, you know, in, in the kingdom of God and in the church, we are all equal. Do you know that we are all co-equal with Christ? And you might be thinking, well, I don't feel like that. You know, I've been, I've been hurt. I've been upset. Some things have happened along the way, and I don't feel like that. Well, if that's the case, then we are sorry, and we're going to maybe unpack some of that today. But you are co-equal with Christ. You have equal value to God. Every single one of you. There's nobody that is differently, um, you know, different in God's eyes. You are all God's kids, and he is your daddy. Like any family, we sometimes get it wrong, and throughout the centuries, the church has made mistakes. We were always meant to be a, a diverse church, and, and over the centuries, people have um, made glaring mistakes and, and got things wrong. I love the fact that we have the flags here at Jubilee, you know, that we have this, like, all these, like, different nations, and, you know, the, the church is supposed to be diverse. We're supposed to be 
and many nations, but supposed to be many different types of people. You know, we need the Congolese people in church. Amen? We, we, we need them. Yeah, we have to have them here. We, you know, we need the Polish people in church. We need the Russian people in church. We need people from Scotland, Steve, don't we? Yeah, amen. You know, we need all these different nationalities coming together to form this beautiful, diverse church. And the diversity should be reflected in every single element and aspect of who we are. Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi, um, famously said this, that if it weren't for Christians, I would be a Christian. One of the saddest things um, is that Mahatma Gandhi, the, the civil rights and um, peace leader in, in India, was actually as a young man studying the Gospels. He studied the Gospels and um, considered and decided that he was going to convert to Christianity. He believed that in Jesus he could find a solution to the caste system in India that was dividing people. So one Sunday he decided to attend services at a nearby church and to talk to the minister about becoming a Christian. When he entered the sanctuary, however, the usher refused to give him a seat and suggested that he go and worship with his own people. Gandhi left the church. Never returned. If Christians have caste differences also, he said, I might as well remain a Hindu. You see the danger of prejudice. The danger of not welcoming everybody is that you cause great pain and great division. And you know, it happened... Um, in the book of Acts as well, you know, in the book of Acts when um, the church was first getting going, in, in Acts 6 we read that there was a dispute between um, the, the Jews and, I'll read it, it's Acts 6, 6, and it says, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The early apostles saw the, the conflict, the the problem of one group being overlooked over another. And instead of sweeping it under the carpet and ignoring it, they dealt with it. And that's what we have to do. So if you're here today and you're feeling like overlooked, you know, we're sorry. Um, if you're here and, you know, you felt overlooked for years, we're really, really sorry. But please come and talk to us because we, we will make it right. We will put it right. Because we're intentional about diversity. We're intentional about including you in. We need the nations. We need people from every different group coming together to be part of the church. God set out his intentions for the church right from the beginning. 
when he says, when it says from Jesus in Acts 1, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria. God's intention was always to go out to everywhere. Start where you are, go to the next place and then go on from there to everywhere. At the day of Pentecost came, the disciples were together, a small group of people, and the power of God came upon them and they spilled out into the street, drunk in the power of the Holy Spirit and started to proclaim the, the good news of Jesus in lots of diverse languages and tongues so that many people could hear the good news. Diversity was intended right at the very, very beginning. Peter in Acts 10 has a dream about um, you know, eating with Gentiles and later goes to the house of Cornelius. And so all the way through, God is saying, everyone's included, everyone's included, you're all welcome, everybody's welcome. But sometimes in our history, we've not done that, as we've heard in the story of Gandhi. And that's the, that's the change that we have to make. Even Peter um, gets it wrong, and, and Paul has to go to him and, and, and correct him, because Peter started to listen to people around him and said, oh, well, you know, you can't really go to, um, you can't really go to the, the Gentiles. Galatians 2, 11 to 14. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood self-condemned. For until certain people came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But after they came, he drew back and kept himself separate. I've underlined kept himself separate. We can't keep ourselves separate. We're not called to be separate. We're called to be together. For fear of the circumcision faction. And the other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy that even Barnabas was led astray. But when I saw that they were not acting consistent with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew... Live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How can you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? So whenever we see um, separatism, whenever we see inequality, whenever we see nepotism, whenever we see things that would separate us and divide us, whenever we see one person being favored over another or one group being favored over another, we need to step in and speak. I was really, really shocked. Um, um, I don't know if there's any guys. Is there anybody here from Latvia today? No? We've got a few guys in the church from Latvia, and I was really, really shocked when I, I started hanging out with those guys that um, one of the families, the guys, um, Alexander said to me, you know, I've been in the city of Hull eight years, and um, your house is the first house I've been in of, a, of an English person. Well, I've been in Hull for eight years. I was shocked. No, literally, I just couldn't believe it. And I just thought, well, you know, that is, the, that is culture, isn't it? That is like out there, you know, people keeping to themselves in their own groups. But in the church, that's, that's not the way it is. You know, everybody's welcome. We're part of an amazing family called Regions Beyond. We've got churches on every single um, continent of the world. We're such a diverse family. And... Um, if you've never been on the Regions Beyond website, I suggest that you go on and have a look. 
It's really, really great. And we've got these, we've got these 11, although sometimes it's 12, I think, but 11 values that define and, and speak about who we are. And two of the values, uh, I love all of the values, by the way, but two of the values really, really sort of like spoke to me as I was kind of preparing this. And um, number six is, we are there for one another's success. Just think about that for a moment. We are there for your success. We are there for one another's success. That means that you're there for my success and I'm there for your success. That means that I'm there to promote you, that you be lifted up, that you do better than, than you are now, that you be further on in your walk than you are now, and, and, and likewise for me. And I just love that whole heart of that, that we're, that we're there for one another's success. And the other one is that we're intentional about diversity. We're intentional about diversity. We need to be bridge building, um, a prophetic sign to the world of wisdom and power of the gospel that brings vibrant richness in diversity, where each individual is loved and valued and shows the multifaceted character of God, bringing him great glory. And it's not just about, it's not just about race. It's also about, about our worldview. You know, each one of us has got a different worldview. You know, a lot of, a lot of people, you know, um, travel and go and live in different countries, um, experience different things. I know for me, when I, um, you know, at 21, I, I was living on um, Granville Street on um, Annaby Road, and um, I went from there um, to living in Zurich in Switzerland. And, um, you know, after about three weeks of being in Zurich, my, my whole kind of like worldview had been completely turned upside down. The, the kind of like the norms that I thought were um, consistent in my life were completely shattered. Um, I was working in a hotel with about um, 13 different nationalities, all speaking different languages and very, very different cultures from my own. And my worldview changed. You know, when you travel to a different place, your worldview changes. When you, when you sit and have coffee with somebody from a, a different nationality, your worldview changes as you listen to their culture and you listen to their um, ways of thinking and doing things. And it's this richness of culture and this, this coming together under Christ that makes the church such an amazingly um, beautiful place to be. What makes you you is so important. You are completely unique with a complete unique set of gifts and talents and abilities that when we come together, we can make such a difference. I can't do what you do and you can't do what I do. But together, we can do great things for God. If we were all the same, wouldn't it be boring? If you had porridge with water and salt every day for breakfast, wouldn't it be boring? I know some, if those of you that do, I'm sorry, Steve, I'm sorry. Yeah, Scottish, Scottish again. But, you know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be boring if we were all the same? Isn't it, isn't it glorious that we're all so different, look different? I think just for a moment, would you, would you mind just like dropping your mask and just standing up and having a look around? Uh, you, you can, I'll give you permission to look at each other. 
And just, just smile. Just turn around and look at the culture and the differences. Yeah, have a smile at everyone. Yeah, that's great. Aren't we wonderful? Yeah, aren't we wonderful? Each one of us, not only is special in God's eyes, but is, is valuable in, in the church and in, in the mission that we're on. You can reach people that I can't reach. I can reach people you can't reach. I talk to people that you don't talk to. You talk to people that I don't talk to. It's all about that, about us working together. We need a diverse church. Sometimes culture can kind of get in the way, and we need to listen and understand where people are coming from. We need to, you know, unpack some of the things that people are saying to us. But what we need to develop is kingdom culture. What is kingdom culture? Kingdom culture overrides all of our um, nationalistic backgrounds, our um, cultures of where we're brought up, um, all of that, all of what society is telling us. Kingdom culture um, is over everything. How do you get kingdom culture? You get kingdom culture by reading the book. You get kingdom culture by listening to the words of Jesus and putting them into practice in your life. Matthew 18, he called the little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's kingdom culture. Don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Sit in that place of humility. You know, kids are great. They say, um, kids say amazing things. They're just like so resilient and they're just like, they're so honest. Like brutally honest. And, you know, I think sometimes we need to be like children. Well, we do need to be like children. And Paul teaches us um, more kingdom culture in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27. This is a long passage, but if you've got a Bible, it'd be great for you to read it along with me. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27. There is one body, but it's got many parts. But all its, part, but all its many parts make up one body. And it's the same with Christ. We were all baptized by one Holy Spirit, and we are formed into one body. It doesn't matter whether we are Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free people. We were all given the same spirit to drink. So the body is made up of just one, is, is not made up of just one part, but is many parts. Suppose the foot says, I'm not a hand, so I don't belong to the body. By saying this, it cannot stop being part of the body. And suppose the ear says, I'm not an eye, so I don't belong to the body. By saying this, it cannot stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, how could it hear? If the whole body were an ear, how could it smell? God has placed each part of the body just as he wanted it to be. If all the parts were the same, how could there be a body? As it is, there are many parts but there is only one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. 
The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, it's just the opposite. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are the ones that we can't do without. The parts that we think are less important, we treat with special honor. The private parts aren't shown. They are treated with special care. The parts that can be shown don't need special care. But God has put together all the parts of the body. Just as he is giving honor to the parts that didn't, have, that didn't have any. In that way, the parts of the body will not take sides. All of them will take care of one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part shares in its joy. You are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. It's pretty clear, isn't it? It's really, really clear. And, you know, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you is a part of it. Doesn't matter where you're from, what you've done, what you look like, what your financial status is. Isn't it great that we don't, you know, we don't sort of like at this church um, get into that. It really grieves me when I watch um, God TV and I see all these people sat on big thrones on the stage. Really, really turns me off. Because we're not supposed to honour people. We're supposed to honour Jesus. We don't need another king. We've already got one. We've already got one. So let's just honour Jesus. And at the end of all things, just as God intends it, in, in Acts we see that God said go to all the, all the different nations, to, to firstly to Jerusalem, and then to um, Judea, and then Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We see in Revelation um, 7, 9. And after this I looked, and there in front of me was a huge crowd of people. They stood in front of the throne and in front of the Lamb. There were so many that no one could count them. They came from every nation, tribe, and people. That's true no matter what language they spoke. They were wearing white robes, and in their hands, they were holding palm branches. At the end of all things, God will gather the church, and it will, it will look like what I've just described. From every nation, from every tribe, and from every tongue. God has been to the end and already seen it, and we will be there with him. But while we're here, right, we've got to start reflecting that. We've got to start reflecting that. We've got to be intentional about diversity, not only, you know, it's great that we've got, a, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're making progress. Yeah, we're, we're going in the right direction, but we've got a lot, a lot more to do. And um, you've got a part to play in that, in how you treat one another. My challenge to you is this, right? In the next couple of weeks, right, this is your homework, okay? You can write it down if you want to. Your homework in the next couple of weeks is to go for a coffee with somebody in church, that is different from you, that you've never, never spoken to before, that is maybe from a different place, and I want you to go for a brew, okay? It's not, it's not, a, not a difficult homework. Uh, I'm not going to mark it, right? But uh, that's, what I, that's what I think would be really great. Wouldn't it be great if you could just go for a brew with somebody that, isn't, that you don't know and is different from you? That would be a great place to start. So I'll leave you there. Band, do you want to come up? Would you all like to stand?
think sometimes um, these things require a, um, a bit of a heart transplant. You know? Um, we've all got stuff, yeah? And sometimes we need God's Holy Spirit to come and help us to, uh, to overcome that. So let's, let's just pray. Let's just pray and ask God to, um, just to work on our hearts to, to mold us and to shape us. Heavenly Father, we, we ask that you come, Holy Spirit, and that you give us your heart, your heart for people that are different from us, your heart for the lost, your heart for the nations, your heart, Lord God, for the poor and the broken and the hurting, your heart for those, Lord God, that the world has rejected. Lord, we'd love them to become part of our family. Lord, we'd love them to be part of our family. Would you draw them to this place, Lord God? Would you draw them to your heart, Lord And would you help us, Heavenly Father? Come and um, change our hearts, Lord God. Start with us, Lord God. Start with us that are watching online. Start with us that are on the balcony. Start with us that are in this this auditorium this morning. Start with us, Lord God. Come, Holy Spirit. Touch our hearts. Fill them up with your love, Lord God. Help us to love the way that you love. Help us to care the way that you care. Help us to be all that you called us to be.